Hello, and welcome to Respect the Dead, the podcast where we don't. Betty, it's no surprise that everyone celebrated your demise, and now worms are eating your eyes. So don't you worry, rotting head, as you sleep in your sodden bed, it's time to respect the dead. Hey everyone, I'm mainly Mandy. I'm Kellen Conrad. And I'm Hoots. So uh, before we get into today's episode, I would like to start off with a really big content warning. I warned both Kaylin and Hoots ahead of time a bit about this episode, but for all of our listeners at home, we are going to be talking about, particularly in the second half-ish of this episode, uh, specifically around subjects like harassment, sexual assault, uh, and stalking. Uh, and it's gonna get a little rough at times. So if you need to skip this one, totally understand. But uh, if you can stick around, this is an important story that needs to be talked about, I think even more. Um, so please do. Okay, I will. <laughs> Today, we're going to be talking uh, about Alfred Hitchcock. And to start us off, I do have a little picture in case either of you want to look at what Alfred Hitchcock looks like. forgot what he looks like. In case you forgot. (laughs) You know, it's been a hot second. Uh, Uh, Actually, at my work, um, there is a a bungalow with his uh, famous silhouette painted on the outside of it because it was his bungalow while he was filming one of his television series there. So I Oh, the Alfred Hitchcock presents. Yep. I would pass him like every single day. Oh. Are we supposed to say where you work on the podcast? I guess we can't. I work at Universal Studios Hollywood um, as a theme park character, but also as a tram tour guide. I haven't been a tour guide in like a couple of months, though, because I've been working at my face character role more recently, which makes me a lot more money. Um, But yes, on the tour, like every single time you pass um, the bungalow that used to be Alfred Hitchcock's. He was a big fan of the studio tour. Sir Alfred Joseph Hitchcock, as his full name, was uh, was born on August 13th, 1899 on the outskirts of East London. Uh, he was born in the flat actually above his family's grocer's shop. Uh, his hmm. father was a greengrocer, as was his grandfather, grandfather had been before. So they were very much mm-hmm. a working class family that like all the family worked in this, this grocer shop that they had. Mm-hmm. Um, Despite his family being working class, though, his uncle John actually had uh, had some wealth. He had a five-bedroom Victoria home with a staff, which included a gardener and a chauffeur. Uh, and actually, every Ooh. summer, the Uncle John would uh, rent out like a seaside house for the family that they would stay in for like the summer. Uh, and Hitchcock later would say that it was those trips that helped him to sort of like gain class consciousness. Uh, and at least one of the sources I read said that the those trips specifically made him like quote obsessed with class and like wanting to like move up in the world and not be mm-hmm. working class anymore. Basically, do you know what his uncle did? I couldn't find uh, what his uncle did specifically, um, so I'm not sure. It's it, maybe editing Mandy can find that. Editing Mandy did find it, uh, according to a source that I looked up. It appears that John was a kind of a financial wizard according to the source I read and created like a string of uh, like green grocery 
fishmonger uh, string of stores that were then all underneath his control. Uh, it was called like John Hitchcock LTD. And apparently that combined with him marrying like a, a pretty well-off linguist uh, set him up pretty nicely. So good for Uncle John. Uh, Hitchcock claimed to like never have a playmate as a child. He didn't have any friends. He spent most of his time basically alone with his imagination to entertain him. Uh, he also would eventually fall in love with cinema, particularly when he was a teenager, although that is jumping for it a little bit. Um, he loved American cinema specifically. Like he watched a lot of Charlie Chaplin and Buster Keaton um, when he grew up um, and was getting into cinema. Um, so his family life was interesting to say the least. Um, his father would discipline him with a belt and had some other odd discipline measures for him too. Um, one time, this story is so fucked up. One time his, his father sent him to the police station with a note that he didn't know what the note said, uh, when he was five years old and the police locked him into a cell saying, this is what we do with naughty boys. Oh my goodness. What the fuck? What the fuck indeed. He was literally trying to scare straight him. Scare him straight. Yeah. And after that, Hitchcock had a very deep fear of the police for the rest of his life. As well he should. (laughs) Which, very fair. More people probably should be afraid of the police. Here at Respect the Dead, we say, fuck 12. Yes. (laughs) And a cap. Um, and like it got, it was, he had such a profound fear of the police that he wouldn't even drive sometimes out of fear of getting a ticket. This man was afraid of nothing, but he was afraid of the police. I do have to say, he was like, he had his priorities straight. <laughs> <laughs> he, he did. Um, his mother also, uh, had some odd ideas about how to discipline. Um, at the end of the day, she would force him to stand at the end of his bed and recount every sin and bad thing he had done that day. Jesus. And then she would lecture him. Like she would basically stand there and then tell him why what he did was wrong. And, you know, this is how you be a good person. Blah, blah, blah. The literal fuck. Like, like a five-year-old. That's like a five-year-old, a five-year-old. Making a five-year-old stand there and be like, now list your sins. Like- yeah. Like what did he do wrong? <laughs> I mean, he was like uh, uh, the thing being that's a naughty five-year-old. That age is not a real thing, right? It was probably like, nothing. It was an actual sin. It yeah. was probably just being a five-year-old. Um, he had a couple of older siblings, so probably occasionally he got into tussles with his brother. Um, or I think he had two brothers. Um, so like mm-hmm. probably nothing that bad. Like everything I read said that he was a very well-behaved child, and it's like, yeah, no wonder he was. He was fucking terrified. terrified. They were horrible. Yeah. yeah, like he probably anything quote even Fuck. remotely bad he did, he was getting beaten for. And then forced to stand in his bed and, you know, confess to his mother. Like, it's so. It's if so I was going to get beat for it, I would not be admitting anything. Right. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry, this but is... like, that's what I learned. Like, growing up Catholic, like going to, yeah. uh, going to commute or going to confession. And they'd be like, what are your sins? And I'm like, oh, I didn't do any. <laughs> you just lie. <laughs> I was they're good. Like, oh, I was really good. They're, they're like, everybody everybody has sins. And I'm like, no. <laughs> Some of us are good. Not you. me. I guess I'm just better <laughs> Some at of us are you. good. I'm like, you, Father John. I guess this is kind of a tangent, but like one of the like, one of the like trends in parenting nowadays that seems to be really nice is like, quote unquote, soft parenting. But it's really just like going over to your child, like, at the moment that they're doing something bad, like being shitty and beating up other kids or something, and sitting down with them and explaining to them why what they're doing is bad and like why it hurts other people and uh, having them explain back to you like 
okay, why was that not the what we want to be doing? Um, and it just like makes better, more polite children <laughs> than like making them afraid. Oh yeah, than making them afraid of like their parents like sending them to the police or beating them. Yeah. Like just explaining to them like, hey, this is why you can't like get into a fight with your siblings this is why you can't mm-hmm. uh you need to know like do you think it's it's fair that you're hogging the toys and not sharing or do you think maybe somebody else wants <laughs> yeah. to have a, like a turn yeah for sure my my sister kind of d- does essentially that with her children where she'll if if you know one of them starts hitting the other in the face she'll sit down mm-hmm. and go hey so being hit in the face that doesn't feel good right you don't like being hit in the face so why are mm-hmm. you hitting your younger brother in the face and they talk it through and sometimes it does turn into a situation where he's still upset and, and is angry mm-hmm. or whatever and she goes okay let's let's put you in another room for a little bit and you can scream yeah. into a pillow or, or be angry over here but not be up your little brother keeping in mind they're both literally they're teaching them empathy. so like exactly like yeah because they're they're small children they don't know better yeah. so like it's definitely a better way of of teaching i think overall mm-hmm. yeah and ki- like little kids like that their their like view of the world is very like self-centered in a way so sometimes you have to be yeah. like okay like l- let's use your sense of self to maybe consider others a little bit here yeah exactly I guess, and, and I, it's it makes sense they're children like they don't they don't yeah. know better like i don't blame them is, for that yeah This is kind of a tangent, but it's a tangent born out of, like, I know where a lot of this story is going, and it's, like, heartbreaking. Yeah. It's, like, they created a bit of a monster. Like, I do blame his parents. Yep. Um, Oh, I will just say I know nothing about this man. You don't? Okay. So you're coming in completely fresh. Okay. I'm – yeah, no 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 understanding other than, like, you two were talking about him a bit in the group chat, Mm -hmm. and I just, like – completely glazed my eyes to not listen to any voice notes because I wanted to be I hate spoilers yeah, I, know I was you, just like you so excited to hear this okay, one so I'm like cool. I, I kind of figured Hoots would know yeah. about him but I wasn't yeah. I didn't think you would so it is very it is very Hoots would know have you ever yeah. seen a Hitchcock movie I've seen part of Birds okay okay wait Psycho Psycho yeah Psycho's a Hitchcock yeah I've seen Psycho Psycho's Hitchcock yeah I've seen Psycho yeah okay that's he is the creator of like one. some of my favorite movies that have ever existed, and he's also Same. like he was a, a terrible person who tortured like the people in his life, and like it's a very complicated. Spoilers! This is Mandy's episode. <laughs> I don't know all we'll of it though. I only out. know some stories. <laughs> yeah, there's there's um, I imagine you know some of what i'm going to talk about hoots but there's definitely some stuff I'm there sure that i, I know didn't know about and yeah. it was that's part of the reason why yesterday in the group chat i was kind of just like oh okay i'm done jesus yeah Christ. Like, i was so <laughs> tired yesterday afterwards i'm and sure i, do I don't know after all I was done. um okay so getting back to a little bit more about his childhood um the family did move a couple of times um when he was 11 they moved specifically to stephanie where he attended a Jesuit grammar school known for its disciplinary uh, practices called oh, no. St. Ignatius College. Um, and yeah, this, mm. this, this place apparently has a bit of a reputation. Uh, the priest yeah. there would use hard rubber canes on the boys as punishment. And also they would wait until the end of the day. So oh, if you misbehaved God. in the morning and were called out for it, they would tell you like, okay, at the end of the day, we're going to beat you with this cane. And you would have to just sit a in that psychological knowledge Psychological torture. Yeah. yeah. I'm sure yeah, that helps just... develop um, very well-adjusted little boys. <laughs> oh, I'm sure, as we will see with Hitchcock. Um, <laughs> later in his life, Hitchcock was quoted, 
I was terrified of the police, of the Jesuit fathers, of physical punishment, of a lot of things. This is the root of my work. Now I'm getting my own back by terrifying other people. I mean, I just think that's a valid fear. Very, yeah. <laughs> it's very, very telling. It's very, it's very valid. Telling. It's very telling. It's, uh, yeah. And, and also like, it is funny that he like feared thing, like as a, as a, like a movie guy, even like divorced from his life, like as a guy who makes horror movies, um, yeah. it's funny that he feared like things that were like very rooted in reality. And then he created movies that were things like, what if birds got back at us? <laughs> like- yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Hitchcock originally actually wanted to be an engineer and he even enrolled in night classes at the Lundy- London, Cunt- hang on. I can't say this word. <laughs> so, London okay. cunts at the London <laughs> Cunt the Academy. London <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying not to say all it. the London so cunts it's, go. It's county, <laughs> and I almost said cunty. That's why I had to stop for a second. Cunty. Like, wait a second. <laughs> I'm hanging around oh Kaylin too much. Damn no, it! I'm imagining not, not the, snatched Hitchcock. Not the Lundy cunty. Oh my god, the fishiest oh Hitchcock. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> okay. That is actually a really good drag name, though. <laughs> it kind of Snatch right? Hitchcock. Snatch Hitchcock. Bitchcock. There's got to be a oh. Bitchcock. That exists. That has Alfreda to. Bitchcock. <laughs> Alfredo. 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 Yes. Alfredo Bitchcock. Alfredo Bitchcock. Okay. Let me try this sentence again. So Hitchcock originally wanted to be an engineer and even enrolled in night classes at the London County Council School of Engineering and Navigation in Poplar on Janu- July 25th, 1913. Um, and it's kind of funny because one of the sources I read was like, and if maybe if he had, we wouldn't be having this conversation now. Um, <laughs> yeah. But the following year in December, his father died at the age of 52. So to help his oh, wow. mother get by, he took a job as a technical clerk at the Henley Telegraph and Cable Company, earning 15 shillings a week. Um, he did continue to take some nights. What night- is 15 shillings? What the fuck is a shilling? Uh, I have no idea what that is. Is that like a penny? And it's probably. I, I'm sure it's not a lot of money in comparison. I mean. What garbage year was this? Uh, this was in 1913. Actually, no, this is 1914. Sorry. Was a shilling like a half of a pound or something? I don't know money. I mean, this is old money as I well. Googled it's old money too. 15 shillings, but. The internet is like, I don't know. <laughs> the internet is like speaking English. Um, yeah. Okay. No, it's anyway. like when they anymore. talk about like francs or something, you're like, well, what the fuck? Yeah. yeah. Or, or tallers. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Editing Mandy here. So I looked up on a website called coingecko.com that a shilling is worth 0. 0.00094330 dollars now so um not a lot he did continue taking night classes but for some reason he was now taking art uh, like art history economics and political science Uh, i'm guessing maybe because they weren't as intense as the engineering stuff and that's why but i'm not sure um in june of 1919 he became interested in creative writing um and he actually became a found uh, he became a found (laughs) a founding editor i I wrote that sentence weird uh and business manager of henley's in-house publication the henley telegraph 
Um, and they actually promoted him to the advertisement department where he wrote copy and drew graphics for electric cable uh, advertisements. Um, he would stay up late to examine the proofs and later said that this was his, quote, first step into cinema. So if he hadn't started working at the Henley Telegraph, <laughs> maybe we wouldn't be having this conversation. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But so if I'm going to- back in time to to stop Alfred Hitchcock. Yeah, like maybe keep his dad sure alive and job. don't let him get this job. Yeah. yeah. Keep him in engineering school <laughs> and it won't happen. I don't know if I want to keep his dad alive. His dad I mean, his dad, dad was terrible. Like maybe set his mom up so she doesn't <laughs> maybe need help I'll just or keep... something. Or kill them both. Yeah, I don't know. Just... Um, <laughs> having, like... I've come back in time to kill Alfred Hitchcock's father <laughs> just because I hate him. <laughs> and then also just take him out. Alfred but also Hitchcock. Alfred Hitchcock. I, right now, I've got my knowing only like half of the info. I think I've got my little like moral scales out, and I'm like, well, is what happens later worth having lifeboat and rear window in the world? <laughs> like, right? I'm like, I don't know. Right. Like, how many people yeah. did he torture, and how bad was it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh- so while still at Henley's, uh, Hitchcock found out that Paramount Pictures was opening a studio in London. Uh, he heard they were working on a movie called The Sorrows of Satan. Uh, <laughs> and so, which is a great Aww. name for a movie. I know yeah. nothing about this movie, but That's what a great name. That's on brand for us. Um, like, why is Daddy so right? sad? Sorrows of Satan. Um, so he he just like up and sent them some title cards. Like he he just sent them as like, a, hey, here's this thing. Uh, and and he, they hired him as a, as a title card designer. Um, and I, I just love this is one of my things about like old Hollywood stories that I kind of love is just how often people just got jobs just being like, here you go. And people were just like, yeah, you hired a kid. Like, I don't know why yeah. I find that's very Literally, charming like up till the <laughs> 70s no, I, I do lo- it used to be like yeah. yeah people even like people like steven spielberg would be like yeah i just like hung around sets i i wasn't even supposed to be there I, like snuck in and right like, people just can you on paint sets and then and, yeah, yeah not like that anymore now you have to be someone's like, nephew or something yeah there's so much nepotism now but back <laughs> yeah. in the old days it was just like you boy can you hold a yeah. can you hold this and they're like yes yeah, sir and then yeah. you just jump in and you, like, yeah, hi, you're I'm working in hollywood now now you're and then they'd be like all right you want to direct 12 films yeah they'd be okay. like they they asked me if i could edit and i said yes so i just sat there at night with a whole bunch of film trying to paste pieces of film together i can't even I loved, read i don't know what's happening but here i am yeah i loved mandy's like like the timeline it's like hey boy can you hold this perfect do you want to direct 12 films yeah. <laughs> it's like when boomers are like why don't you just walk in and get right? a job they think they that we can do that, that because this is this what is they what do they this is how it works now and it doesn't work this way anymore. they were like it does not i wanted a six-figure job so i just went and got coffee for the ceo one time and he was like you there with the glittering eyes and the the cup of coffee would you like to be the president of the company <laughs> <laughs> what so does the president do? You'll figure it out. <laughs> You'll find out. You'll figure it out. I have faith in you. <laughs> now, excuse me. I'm going to go to the Bahamas. Good luck, boy. <laughs> I've got a mistress waiting for me on my yacht. <laughs> <laughs> my mistress isn't going to kill herself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> um. 
<laughs> okay. So so after being hired as the title card designer, he did try his hand like basically like a number of jobs. Like he just fucking did everything. He included mm-hmm. uh, including like co-writer, art director, classic Hollywood. Or your average small creator on YouTube. Manager, yeah, on at least 18 silent films. Uh, I'm sure he was on... We're still in silent film era. Okay. We're still in silent I I'm, I'm going to guess in like 10 years he's on all the amphetamines all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody I mean, actually, in Hollywood was on uppers. <laughs> I actually didn't find anything about him having like a drug problem. There's stuff about later. Oh, I forgot to include this content warning. Also, we're going to talk about his diet a little bit later. Um, but like there's some stuff about his diet wreaking havoc on him. But I didn't find okay. anything specifically about amphetamines or a drug addiction or anything mm-hmm. like that. Not to say he didn't have one. It's just that didn't come up. <laughs> it wasn't considered an addiction at it the time. It wasn't concerning. <laughs> Everyone was like, whatever. It's, it's not fine. like something to even make note yeah. of. Right. They're like, it's, it's, it's not. Like your morning cup of coffee. (laughs) Yeah. It's like I saw him flying out of his trailer once. Um, In 1922, Hitchcock worked on a film called Woman to Woman, writing the script, designing the set, and producing. Um, He called it the first movie I got my hands into. This movie would also be very important because this is how he would meet Alma Reveal. Reveal. I should have looked up how to say her last name. Uh, Alma, who was uh, working as a script girl at the time. Um, They quickly became inseparable and would get married uh, a few years later in 1926. Um, She actually uh, converted to Catholicism at the insistence of Hitchcock's mother. Um, and I actually have a couple of, of pictures that are actually kind of kind of cute that I'm going to send you of, of Hitchcock and his wife. Um, I think that should be their wedding photo. Not Hitch gets hitched. Hitch got hitched. Oh my god, look at them! Oh my god. And okay, this, it's another. First one. of all, her then... wedding look is to die for. <laughs> Absolutely love right. It. She's so pretty. And he actually that. is pretty handsome in that picture too, I got to say. I like, get it. He you doesn't know, look bad. Yeah. He's he's not like he's not traditionally handsome, but in that kind of like, like chubby guy way. You're like, mm-hmm, yeah. I get it. I get it. Oh no, like I'm there there's very many different types of men I'm Same. attracted to and like for me, like this, this like his body type is one of them. But like he's a his bear. little, his little mm. fists like <laughs> held up. <laughs> There's something about this pose. Do we have a, a second photo? I just put another photo. I look at in a different. It didn't work. The second photo didn't work. Wait, let me see. Maybe if I remove the filters, fill from the end. Oh, it's saying it's not working for me either. Oh. That's rude. It was working earlier when I tested it. Damn it. Well, the second picture is a, is a picture of the two of them kissing, and it's like them, like, a bit Aww. older in life. And it's just, yeah, by one thing I will give Hitchcock, by all accounts, he had a very good relationship with his wife. Everything that I read about the two of them was that they got along very, very well. And he genuinely seemed to admire and respect her. Um like she actually did work on a number of his films with her with him. Um it, apparently she's the one who insisted that they add the um the the the, the infamous noise in psycho that ee, ee, ee. Yeah. she's the one that said no you yes, need that Alma. sound um because originally he wanted that to be completely silent he didn't want there to be i think any sound except for maybe the sound of the shower if i remember correctly um and she is like no 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 you need a, you need a sound and thank god she did cuz she she did a lot of editing on his films too so like she knew what she was talking about we love um, her. Could be no, Alma was a was a a good one this could be fake, but there was like a movie called Hitchcock where oh, here that's the picture. Helen Mirren played yeah. um, uh, her, 
And mm-hmm. in the movie, at least, it was also her idea. I guess spoiler alert for Psycho. Uh, it, was, <laughs> it was her idea for Tippi Hedren's character to be killed off in the first thirty minutes because, like, the character is killed it's off early Tippi in the Hedren. book. That's not Tippi Hedren. Janet Lee. That's right. It's Janet Lee, yeah. and then Tippi Hedren is Birds. Um, they're all yeah. blonde. They all look the same to me. Um, We're going to talk about the blonde thing later. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah. it was her idea to kill her off thirty minutes in. Um, yeah. It, she died. Like the character died early in the novel, but like, and and like mm-hmm. at least in this like fictional movie, um, he was like, um, "Is it a risk?" Uh, uh, actually, no. She was the one that's like, she dies really early. That's a big risk. And he was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." And she was like kill her off in the first 30 minutes <laughs> like yeah again a fictionalized account i have no idea if this is real but like in the hitchcock movie like you spend the movie just standing the hell out of alma and like yeah. he's fine whatever but you're like oh, God, <laughs> alma is such a bad bitch <laughs> she she's definitely somebody i think is probably um very much underrated these days and that's mm-hmm. that's too bad because she probably did do a lot more work than she gets she is credit a part for. of his genius um she's very much a part of his genius and 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 to his credit he did acknowledge her um so for mm-hmm. example i have a quote here when he was uh when he accepted the afi life achievement award in 1979 he said he wanted to mention four people who have given me the most affection appreciation and encouragement and constant collaboration the first of the four is a film editor. The second is a scriptwriter. The third is the mother of my daughter, Pat. And the fourth is a fi- is as fine a cook as ever performed miracles in domestic kitchen. And their names are Alma Reveal. Mm. And I think that's actually really sweet. And he was a wife um, guy. Yeah. He was a wife guy. He really did seem to really love his wife. Uh, and obviously, like I mentioned, they they did have a daughter, Patricia, um, who they had about two years after getting married. Um, and by the way, Patricia actually only passed away about a year ago, like literally almost wow. a year ago to the day. She died in August last year. Um, wow. So she was like 91 or something like that. Like she, she was alive oh, for shit. a long time. Um, and I didn't find very much about her relationship with her father. Um not to say that there isn't information about it. I just didn't mm-hmm. find a lot. Uh, I think she's written a book. I obviously didn't have time to read the book. Uh, and there's also apparently a book about Alma that I would actually really love to read sometime that talks yeah. more about her contributions um, to Hitchcock's films. And I think that would be very interesting. So by all accounts, Hitchcock's family life was very good, mm-hmm. which kind of makes some of the other stuff we're going to talk about later all the more like confusing weird. and like what yeah. the fuck and weird. Yeah. Okay. Um. Now, I am going to jump over some some stuff here, but around the, there's a period where he spends a lot of time working basically in Germany. And that time is important because um, German expressionism in the, that that sort of period really did affect his own work and his own style. So like it is important, but it's it's like a bunch of movies that probably none of us have ever seen or have watched as a as a fucking like a movie t- like studio tour guide i have to say like the german expressionist movement is why we have um those early horror movies even mm-hmm. before Hitch- hitchcock as well like your frankensteins your yeah. draculas they oh, were all sure. born out of the german expressionist movement um mm-hmm. like th- those um kind of like themes and uh the stylistic choices that were made during expressionism were a part of the very early hollywood horror movies um so yeah. it's not surprising at all that he like cut his teeth in the expressionist movement because like he was like the hitchcock horror was like 
tier two of that. So there's like the early horror movies, um, and then and then there's like Hitchcock, and then there was like the auteur era, era the classic Hollywood era that he like kind of kicked off. Yeah. For, for sure. And, and th- this is another reason why I'm glad I did this because I knew you would have like insight that would be <laughs> Me like interjecting as like a fucking no, movie this is, fan. <laughs> I love it. I love it though because like you have the words better than I do. So <laughs> I appreciate it a lot. Um, well, not his first film he directed because again, he did direct a couple while he was in Germany. Um, his first thriller and actual hit was called The Lodger, A Story of London Fog, uh, which came out in 1927. It was about uh, a Jack the Ripper style killer who attacks only blonde women and only on Tuesdays. Is he telling uh, it was about himself? Com- <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> only on Tuesdays? Right. <laughs> only on Tuesdays. <laughs> it's like a very random. And It's, and just no. his, it's part of his weekly routine, you know? Like he goes to Pilates on Friday and he kills a blonde woman on Tuesdays. Right, you know. Like Jim Tanning um, murder. And it is kind of... Not to give Hitchcock too, too much credit, but like he did have this kind of interesting dark humor to his movies too that mm-hmm. I did, I do enjoy. Um, and I think that's probably kind of one of those moments of like, haha, he kills him on Tuesdays. Why? Well, I, I don't know. Uh, maybe it's explained in the movie. I haven't seen it, but yeah. anyway, uh, it was a commercial and critical success. Um, and this was also along with sort of establishing the blonde starlet, the way that he would, he would be very infamous for his blondes. Um, this was also yeah. the first time he did a cameo in a movie, which was like a very, a another big Hitchcock thing and something that many directors since have obviously also um, have, have done now since um, and blah, blah, blah. In 1929, his first film blackmail came out, which was actually the first British talkie. So now we're getting into actual talkie movies with, with sound and such. So that's exciting. Um, a few years later in 1933, Hitchcock signed a multi-film contract with Gaumont British um, the second of these movies, The 39 Steps, which came out in 1935, was acclaimed in the UK and also gained him recognition in the United States. So now the United States mm-hmm. is starting to get interested in Hitchcock, which is important. Um, it also established, and it's also uh, helped to establish more of the Hitchcock blonde as well. So like he he's starting to have more blondes in his early work, and we're going to see that a lot more in his later work. So that's all very important. Um, for a while here, things are going to be a little boring because it's just me just telling you about his career, but like it will get interesting again soon. I, I don't find any of this boring. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> I was worried for a second. Learning. I'm like, we're not really, there's nothing here to shit on right now, but it's coming up soon. Uh, no, oh, actually, yeah, we're going to read me the one. Wikipedia um, article of like one of the most famous directors of all time. I will like just sit here at the edge of my There seat. is a lot. There is a lot I didn't say because again, we're talking about like his whole Germany career was like 12 or 15 movies. I'm like, yeah. I'm not going to go through every single movie. That's too much. Yeah. Um, but Especially yeah, for titles we won't recognize. But things like <laughs> exactly. 39 Steps are like well known. Those are well known. To this yeah. day. And to be fair, I haven't seen 39 Steps, but I have heard of it. Um, mm-hmm. So like that's, it is an important film. Um, in 1936, he released two spy throws. And around this time, he became known as a bit of a prankster on set. Um. Yeah. There's the sigh. I do not. I do not love a workplace. Prankster. Yeah. I don't. I don't I like am, a prankster anywhere. Just sh- anybody no, no. who identifies as a prankster you play a single is always trick so mean. No. It's never a cute prank. If you, no, you play a single prank on me, and I will never trust you again for the rest of my life. You will like move your hand slightly near me, and I'll like jump back, expecting you to like do something fucked up. Like, pranks are always so like mean spirited. It's never like you're not expecting cookies or something like it's never a nice surprise yeah. 
It's never like, oh, I, I, I gave you a hundred dollars. Actually, it's a thousand. Yeah. It, it's always it's always like I tricked you into thinking you won the lottery and your life was going to change for like for the better in like some material way. And then I was like, nope, just kidding. <laughs> it's monopoly money. You're still poor. <laughs> I've never understood the appeal of being like, well, you trusted me, you goof. Like I, I've never understood what makes that funny. I, I got, I, I got it. you. You were vulnerable <laughs> and, and, also, and you believed you could trust me and you were wrong. Yeah. And like, admittedly, I'm a little Lol. biased. Cause like I used to get pranked by my mom really hard a couple of times as a kid. And I fucking hated it every Ew. time. So like, I have very strong feelings about pranks to the point where I've told partners, as you should don't prank me i will literally hate it i don't think it's funny don't do it like i hate only... it. i hate april fools i hate yeah. april fools my least favorite holiday in the world <laughs> i don't trust anything on april 1st the only prank my dad ever pulled on me was got your nose that that's fine got your nose is fine i'm still a little i don't little think angry, that's a but... prank <laughs> i don't think i ever believed it's like, it no you don't <laughs> yeah. i have bodily autonomy like, oh my god my no- like imagine you actually believed it like oh my god <laughs> like little toddler me like fuck you give it back <laughs> dad back, you dad. fucking rat <laughs> i need to smell things um da, da, da. okay so one time for example for one of these pranks he hosted a feast where all the food was dyed blue because he claimed not enough foods were blue that's weird. I mean, that's, that's very weird. That's quirky. Uh, is that weird. a prank? It, it's not really it's, a prank. It's just quirky. It's not a, weird. It just sounds like a bad yeah. dinner. It's not a prank, prank, it's like but a, it's definitely strange. And I don't know if the food was edible or if it was like, "Hi, come to my place." Well, it's all blue. Good luck. It was like fabric dye. I have no coloring, idea, but yeah, it's probably food coloring. But yeah. yeah. Um, another time, okay. he had a horse sent to actor uh, Harold Du Maurier's dressing room. Just had a horse sent. Th- Apparently, it was a very big horse, so it took up a lot of room. That's the thing that happened. I mean, um, I and then what? I guess I would be pranked because I wouldn't be expecting a horse. But also, right. to me, I'm like, that's not a prank. That's just a a very big inappropriate gift. <laughs> Thank you for this horse. <laughs> Thank you, Hitch Daddy. I'm like, um. <laughs> Like funny, funny prank, but also can I keep it? Hey, I have a horse now. <laughs> right. I assume like, I'm gonna ride it home yeah. tonight. Hell yeah! <laughs> so bringing it up to my apartment, my studio apartment, <laughs> park, parking it, leaning it against the wall next to your bike. <laughs> like you lift it up and like put like the lock on it. <laughs> Just moving Holly and Goblin's cat bed under its butt in case it poops. <laughs> She's like, sorry guys, but Chester has needs. (laughs) He doesn't have a litter box yet. This is your new Chester has needs, and you don't help me get to work. (laughs) He doesn't just keep. Um, His most infamous, uh, his most infamous prank was he bet. One story I read said it was a cameraman. Another one said it was a prop guy. Somebody on set. He bet the guy that he couldn't stay chained. Um, to a camera overnight and the the bet was basically a week's salary for this guy. It's like if you can spend the night chained up to a camera overnight, I'll give you a week's salary. Why is that so hard? That's well, yeah, I would hang do on. that. Oh, okay. Hang on though. So the <laughs> cameraman the took the bet, the person took the bet, and Hitchcock offered him a glass of brandy before he left. The brandy was spiked with laxatives. <laughs> I mean, that's evil, but also... That's just evil. Also, I would just like... Just shit I would floor. shit myself and I'd be like, well, <laughs> now I have a week's salary. 
Yeah. And I couldn't <laughs> find any like follow up about like, okay, what happened the next morning? I'm I guessing, I'm hoping he still paid the guy. Um, we are finding that like have- Kaylin and I have no shame. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. All right. So I'll, like, I'd, shit on the floor. I'd shit on the floor. <laughs> I'd be like, that's your bad. <laughs> like, whatever the fuck. You're the one that gave me laxatives. I just hope that, like, if the camera got damaged. I also wouldn't have drank the brandy. I, I, I don't even know if I'd like brandy. Um, I just hope if, like, any oh, shit got on the camera, they had to, like, Al Hitchcock had to pay for it. Because, yeah. like, that would suck. To if be fair. They were like, oh, you got shit on the camera? Well, we'll take that week's salary back. Thanks. <laughs> I, um, I could probably count on, like both my hands the number of times I've been constipated in my life like it's it's not been a lot like I usually have the opposite problem so mm-hmm. when I was like 24 um I I was and I got x-lax for the very first time um and x-lax in the UK um didn't come in like separate little chocolates it was like one chocolate one bar um <laughs> that was like oh, no. 24 doses but I thought I thought it was just like the bar, like you eat the bar. Oh no! <laughs> so I had a poor butthole. I had twenty-four doses of Xlax, and you guys, I was fine. Did you not? I was totally like I was oh. anticipating a bad night. Like I literally, yeah. I realized after I did it that I ate twenty-four doses because um, I was like swallowing was and hospital. reading the back of the package oh, as no. I was swallowing. <laughs> And then I was like, oh, no. So I picked up a bunch of Gatorade on the way home because I was like, I'm going to get so dehydrated I pass out on the toilet. Um, But I was totally fine. It smelled weird. It smelled like plastic when it came out. But but I was totally fine. So all this is to say, if fucking Alfred Hitchcock tried to poison me with laxative brandy, I I probably wouldn't have even shit. I would have been like, the next morning I would have been like, I'm still here. Um, kind of sitting there all smug. Yeah. Um, can you unlock this, please? It's a little uncomfortable. Smelling like (laughs) Guerlain Aqua Allegoria, as I usually do. (laughs) Just like, hi, bestie. Want to go for coffee? (laughs) I could really go for a coffee right now. Yours this time. I could really Um, go for a coffee and like a can of beans right now, and some prunes. I'm craving prunes. (laughs) <laughs> I'm really craving breakfast prunes and beans. Food. Do you want to go for some Taco Bell? Do we have Taco Bell yet? <laughs> Is that a thing? <laughs> Let's get something spicy. Um, <laughs> okay. Uh, in 1938, wait, yeah. In 1938, Hitchcock, feeling he had basically gone as far as he could go in British cinema, um, came and visited Hollywood for a bit where he was already like a huge celebrity. He was like, everyone was like, oh my God, it's Hitchcock. Like he was treated like royalty basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so while he was there, he was offered a four picture deal by David Selznick um, about 40000 for each picture, which is $770,000 by today's money. Um, nice. Yeah, per p- picture, which is great. Um, so imagine you made oh that God. per video. Oh, oh God. <laughs> both of your faces. <laughs> We're both just like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, my God. Even I was living in a three-bedroom house. <laughs> I would have I would have a bedroom to sleep in. Yeah. I would have a bedroom that w- that is an office, and then I would have another room. I would love that. that. Would be like a a guest room slash nursery because mm. I would have a baby by myself if I had that much money. I'm trying to what like dream. ruin everybody's night. It's fine. Caitlin. Oh my god, it's fine. Uh, that feels like a good place for a bit of a Patreon plug. Oh yes, if you would like to contribute to us making seven hundred thousand dollars per podcast. <laughs> 
Um, please. <laughs> oh my God, please. 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 Even if we have to split that $700,000 three it. ways. I'll split like, it. Oh, I would be, I would be so magnanimous. (laughs) I'm such a graceful and like not selfish person when it's 700,000 you're splitting. And not 150. Like right now we're probably, (laughs) (laughs) we're like, so Patreon takes a cut, then PayPal takes a cut, then the bank takes a cut. And we have to pay for the LLC paperwork and the other stuff. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And it's like, oh cool, I have negative $47. (laughs) So uh, we've got really interesting tiers, including one or two, where you can create a fake ad for us to read out on our podcast. Has to be a fake ad, though. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm. If you, if you come at me with some like some herbal shampoo that's gonna make everybody that buys it bald. Um, <laughs> You're like, what, what was that? Cassandra's what was that? when? No. sorry what was the one that was really big and then everybody went fucking i think it was when was it w-e-n mlm maybe there were multiple (laughs) oh monet monat Monat. yeah i remember that i think there were multiple i think there were a lot of like they were probably using (laughs) it's not hard to make shampoo that doesn't make people bald they do it for like two bucks at the dollar store well speaking of ads here's some products that may make you also go bald (laughs) yes we are back from our whore advertisements (laughs) oh my god we are whores we're selling ourselves for money in a way, isn't that capitalism? I mean, it is. <laughs> In a way, isn't that just capitalism? Like, I have no idea what that means, but I agree with you. Um. So where we left off is that Hitchcock just got himself a, a, a nice new deal with somebody in America. So in seven hundred k, yeah, over seven hundred k. Perfect. Yep. Um, in 1939, the Hitchcocks moved to Hollywood and began a seven-year contract. His first American film uh, was Rebecca, which came out in 1940, and mm. pretty much from here on out, he is in Hollywood. He is making movies, making a name from himself. So we're going to pause talking about his film career for a minute and talk about the way that Hitchcock treated his actors because it was pretty infamously terrible. Yeah. Um, He basically, his sort of philosophy around actors is that they were essentially the same as props. He wanted them to show up and do their job and then that's it. He did not want any kind of improvisation uh, did not want any input on script or character was allowed. Um, he hated method acting. He thought it was basically dumb. Um, there was a story I mean, where, I mean, method, method acting is dumb. <laughs> it is dumb. It's, da- it's dumb and dangerous. Don't do it. Um, but there was an actor who was acting saying like, oh, well, you know, I, I, I work in this way where I, I, I read about the character and then I, I you know, I th- imagine what they would do and blah, blah, blah. And he was just like, that's that's writing that's not acting that has nothing to do with acting like he he just like did had no respect for actors at <laughs> okay. all and it I is mean, pretty funny at times i will say i kind of respect <laughs> it funny. i kind of respect it i i think like, i kind of do too acting, uh, that's overthink <laughs> and like our asshole and i like i 1000 percent am from the acting camp of like not like not like don't do the kind of character study that that actor is talking about that's totally fine but like i'm also of the camp of like 
Just show up and do your fucking job. Show up and you do your job. Yep. No, I. It I, is uh, a job, and like, yep. and if you're gonna like, when they say cut, like, if you're gonna continue being a little freak and staying in character, like, especially, it's always like, it's never I'm gonna stay in character when I'm playing like a nice person. It's always like I'm gonna stay in character <laughs> when I'm playing the villain and I'm gonna be mean to all my coworkers. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't. I don't respect that, and I think that makes you a bad actor. You should be able it to does. step out of the character. If you can't, if you can't stop being the character, you're a bad actor. You're not acting. You're not acting. You're, you're not acting. <laughs> okay, uh, so at, at one point, and I'm sure uh, you've definitely heard this quote before, um, Hoots. At one point, Hitchcock famously said that actors are cattle. Uh, later, he denied it, saying, I would never say such an unfeeling, rude thing about actors at all. What I probably said was that all actors should be treated like cattle. In a nice way, of course. <laughs> I mean, that's true. <laughs> in a in nice, a nice way. way, of course. In a nice way, like, please. I'm like, is there another way to take that? In a nice way, it's please all- get your little fucking prod out and zap me every time I'm not standing in the right spot. <laughs> right. Um- <laughs> honestly i stan it <laughs> here on respect the dead we we disrespect the dead and we also disrespect actors especially actors. Uh- <laughs> the lowest of the low yeah <laughs> it's um- not a real job there it goes podcaster youtuber actor <laughs> yes. i like that we're more important i'm like listen bestie at least i at least i perform things i actually write uh-huh. and then edit them so true bestie like- <laughs> Sorry, I have more than one skill. Um, so, so one time, an actress, Carol Lambard, um, actually brought three cows to one of Hitchcock's films, Mister and Mrs. Smith, uh, and each one was wearing a, dif- a different name tag. So, one um, for her, Cam- Carol, uh, Robert McGun- Re- Montgomery, and uh, Jean Raymond. Um, and Hitchcock actually, it, Hitchcock actually did think this was funny. He he praised her for yeah, saying she had and saying she had a, a great sense of humor. Um, which yeah that's that's pretty fucking iconic and then afterwards they slaughtered those cows because they couldn't find their way out of the studio <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then they just ate them um, in 1942 he did have a bit of some um, some personal uh, tragedies um, his mother passed away at age 79 following a severe illness and then four months later one of his siblings his brother William died of an overdose at age 52 um, now, before yeah. these deaths, his, Hitchcock's diet wasn't exactly the healthiest. Um, his typical yeah. dinner was a roast chicken, boiled ham, potatoes, Wait, bread. Like a whole chicken? Uh, roast like chicken. A, like like a an whole, entire chicken? That was my first <laughs> A whole chicken. I'm not even done yet. I'm like halfway through this list. Like a chicken. A chicken. A roasted chicken. <laughs> and well, no, are you doing Mandy? Yeah. Mandy, you tried to <laughs> I blow. I was trying to get through the whole list. This list. <laughs> a chicken. To, I chicken. No, we we will we will let you say it all at once, but we need we need to yeah, savor a this. whole chicken. Okay, so a, a whole, whole chicken, a whole a, a roast whole chicken. chicken. Go on. So okay. a roast chicken, boiled ham, potatoes. How much boiled ham? It just says boiled know? ham. It just said boiled ham. I'm guessing like. <laughs> Why do you need chicken and ham? Like, I don't even need meat for a meal at all. Why do you need both? What kind of... I'm sorry. If you were going to slaughter a pig, why would you boil it? 
like at least have enough respect for <laughs> like the animal the to have it with like a nice bechamel sauce it? or something. Isn't boiled ham like an English ham. thing too? Isn't that like an English dinner kind of thing? Like fucking boiled vegetables? Fuck the I English. wouldn't put it fucking they, past yeah. them. Sorry, editing I'm Mandy, so can you please bleep the word English in this? <laughs> Content warning for English. Content warning for English. <laughs> <laughs> Colonizer warning. Boiled, boiled fucking boiled ham. ham. Why? Okay, this is a message what? for oh. any fucking um, cannibals listening Cannibal to the orders? podcast. Oh. If you're going to kill and eat me, I hope you don't. But if you <laughs> are, like at least have the decency to not boil me. Like at yeah. least make a nice little hoots oh. filet mignon or something. My... My ass okay. cheeks are uh, quite big. Like, you I can make some ta- nice steaks out of them. I want to be tacos. I don't want to be anything fancy. I want to be ground the fuck up. Like, I want to be... I want to be sloppy. You want to be a burger? I want to be, like, fast food. Make a, a, a make sloppy a burger K-burger. Absolutely. Yes. Mm, <laughs> what do I want to be made? I think I want to be made into, like, like a lasagna. You would be a very cute pot pie as well. Ooh, a pot Ooh, pie. Mandy pot pie. Mm. A little pot pie. Mini pot pie. Mini pot pie. It just sounds so cute when you say it like what's that. What's in that? Uh, what's Mandy in that? Oh, mainly pie. Mandy. It's mainly <laughs> Mandy. But also ah. some peas. Also some peas and potatoes. Yeah. <laughs> but mainly Mandy. But mainly Mandy. <laughs> Oh my god! Oh, that's good. Oh my god! I haven't even gotten through this list yet. <laughs> and it only took us what? Like it took us like thirteen episodes okay. to say how we'd like to be eaten. Uh, <laughs> um. Okay. Roast chicken, boiled ham, potatoes, bread, Bre- vegetables. Wait, potatoes bread? and bread? <laughs> Yes. I'm sorry, potatoes and bread? Okay, well now I'm being attacked. <laughs> you don't you don't have French fries and something on a bun? <laughs> okay. Is that not okay, potatoes okay. and bread? I, I rescind my reaction. <laughs> I'm thinking okay. of like slices of white bread and then also like whole potatoes. <laughs> yeah, I'm still okay with it. <laughs> I would um, eat a potato sandwich 100%. <laughs> It makes me thirsty thinking about it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. I just imagined like a potato potato sandwich with ketchup. I almost just gagged. (laughs) That's so funny. You're like that. Sick fuck. Okay. 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 (laughs) Vegetables, relishes, salad, dessert, a bottle of wine. I mean, there was a salad brandy. So there was a salad <laughs> and vegetables. There's some vegetables. And to be fair, a bottle of wine um, and some brandy, like a bottle of wine throughout your meal and then some brandy at the end of it. Like that is a Sunday night for me. Oh God, I'm going to end up like Hitchcock. <laughs> you, you won't though, because basically, so after his mother and, and his uh, brother passed away, um, so that was the way he was eating. But because of what happened, he started to feel like, hey, maybe I should like care about my health a little bit more. Maybe I should try to eat healthier essentially. But instead of like, maybe just cutting out some of the carbs or something, maybe have like, bread like or potatoes into it. <laughs> have right? chicken or he boiled ham. Say. <laughs> right. He went like in the opposite direction, like as far in the opposite direction you could go. So he started to eat very strict diet. baby has an eating he... disorder. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of the reasons I'm going to, I'll add a, a CW. About, about that. Um, not CW, but yeah, CW. He, 
Yeah. Um, he <laughs> stopped like pretty he little ice. Right. He <laughs> or crazy ex-girlfriend or the flash or whatever. Um, so he he completely stopped eating during the day with nothing but black coffee to tide him over. And then at dinner, he would eat a steak and a simple salad. Uh, and during this time, surprise, surprise, his he health lost. actually got a lot worse. Yeah. He lost weight, he but lost he also weight, but had he really bad was health. Super uh not anemic, but like um vitamin C a deficient. Every night. Oh my yeah, god. Yeah, I mean he had like no vitamins. Oh boy got scurvy one hundred percent. Probably. Like um and, also, and it was something that your brain doesn't function very well if you're not having any no. carbs. No, if, and if you're constantly hungry, you're just drinking black coffee. You're probably really jittery. Like it's not going to help your mood any. Mm-hmm. Your heart um, is not doing and, well. No, and he had like steak and coffee. And, and it's something that's steak very. And it's such. Coffee. And it's such a. And, and and the thing about all diets, right, is that you should never go from being like one extreme to another yeah, very quickly. You'll get very sick. It should be a gradual thing. You get very sick. Um, it's also extremely hard to maintain. It's the reason why mm-hmm. like the vast majority of diets fail mm-hmm. is because. It's just not sustainable to do that. So he he sometimes uh, failed on his diet and he had massive weight fluctuations basically for the rest of his life. He was like constantly gaining and losing like 40 pounds. Which is like, so it, it was much not worse healthy. than oh just consistent. Like that's so much worse for your internal organs than just consistently being at mm-hmm. the higher end of that weight. Um, like doing yeah. the constant. Again, like circling back yeah. to like method actors, um, the habit – not habit, but like the trend of like um, losing a whole bunch of weight for a role and then putting it back on or like gaining a whole oh, bunch of weight. Oh, it's so bad. Um, it's such yeah, a dangerous practice. That has been called it's... into criticism because like it's so dangerous. Um, it's so much worse yeah. than again, like either maintaining being overweight, being at the top of that or being at the bottom of that. Like that fluctuation, your yeah. internal organs just can't handle it. Your heart can't handle it. Your lungs yep. can't handle it. Um, Your liver can't and handle it's also, it. And it, it also unfortunately perpetuates this idea too that like fat people are temporary. It's it, it, it encourages this idea that, well, fat should always be a temporary stage because you can just lose the weight. It's you not your real body. And that's it's, not – It's your yeah, fat it's body. Your real, it's, you it's, have a thin person waiting yeah. inside of you to blossom out. Fuck you. I hate yeah. that sentiment Once so you much. get out of your like low point yeah. or mm-hmm. whatever the fuck they're using yeah. – They're using fatness um, to convey. So to, to any Hollywood executives – listening just hire fat people just hire fat people fat fat suits making people gain and lose weight like that Please. it's not healthy stop yeah doing it. don't make renee zellweger gain 40 pounds again she can't take it and we need her here <laughs> and sarah paulson looks terrible in a fat suit stop it stop it she's a fantastic <laughs> actress she's a thin actress keep her in thin roles anyway um uh, and one other thing too, just uh, as we wrap this up, um, one thing that is sad is that he, even despite him like trying to lose weight and trying to be healthier, uh, he was still refused life insurance, um, which I do find really sad because that's unfortunately yeah. kind of very common for for fat people, especially is being denied insurance or not getting the health care you need. So even that, though very sad. being five pounds underweight is has is correlated with a higher mortality rate than being fifty pounds overweight. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay, so getting back into uh, some Hollywood stuff. Um, in the 50s, Hitchcock had a lot of success, um, mostly thanks to three movies that he had starring Grace Kelly, another blonde. We had I Adele love Grace Kelly, Murder. though. We stand Grace Kelly. <sighs> Grace Kelly is gorgeous. Icon, too. Um, the most beautiful woman who's ever lived, also like made like five movies and then got the fuck out of Hollywood and became a princess. <laughs> yep. A literal she princess. She literally became a princess. 
Yes. Icon. Um, she, yeah, dial M for murder, rear window, and to catch a thief. I actually rewatched Rear Window recently, uh, which it's I still so think good. is a fantastic movie. It's a perfect it's movie. It's so good. It's, it's so, so good. good. Um, I just Googled her because I've heard her name, but I'd never seen her. She Beautiful. Is so She's pretty She's for no reason. She's perfect. Oh my fucking God. She's absolutely gorgeous. Um, there are some rumors that the two of them had an affair, Hitchcock and Grace Kelly. There has never been any confirmation from either of them. No, neither of them ever spoke to this. Mm. Um, I am a little doubtful about it myself, but it's hard to say. Um, certainly Hitchcock did show her a lot of attention and those mm. around him said he was strongly atta- attracted to her. So when she did uh, give up her film career, when she got married to the Prince of Monaco, um, Hitchcock began to refer to her in very sarcastic ways whenever she was mentioned, <gasps> nicknaming nicknaming her, and I love this, Princess Disgrace. He was so bitter. He was, he was so, so bitter. bitter. Oh, He's my so God. Petty. And also, so petty and just, mad. Just, uh, the energy of being like, yeah, Princess Grace, more like Princess Disgrace. He like, was so okay, bitter. buddy. I mean, he okay. Was so bitter. If you want to see why he's so bitter, also Google <clears throat> her husband, at the, like the Prince of Monaco at the time. Not only was he a prince, but he was like fucking hot. Like they were a beautiful couple. I'd marry him. Yeah. I'm against monarchy of all kinds and I'd marry him. (laughs) And she was like, I want to be a princess. She literally, she was like from an American like socialite family, like a rich family. She made like a couple of movies because she was like, I guess I'm rich. I make movies. And then she was like, this is boring now. I'm going to go marry this hot prince. And then she just like went and lived in a castle for the rest of her life and like did nothing other than just like be a princess. (laughs) And I was like, there's such hot daddy energy coming from this man. He's so hot. I know, right? I get it. They're a beautiful couple and they had beautiful children and beautiful grandchildren. Yeah. Like a perfect life. Yep. Um, Yep, and and there were apparently a few times when uh, Hitchcock tried to get Grace Kelly to like come back to do a movie. She was like, and she nah, was like fam. Yeah, I'm good. Nah, fam. Um, supposedly, at one point, I don't know if this is true. I didn't look into this very much. Supposedly, for Marnie, she almost came back, but then like mm. her people, like her subjects, were like, "Yeah, don't do that." And she was like, "Okay, I can't. Sorry. Oh no, <laughs> gonna be a princess instead." Um, I don't know how true that story is, but that that's I did see someone say like, oh, she wanted to be in this movie, but Monica was like, no. It was not appropriate for a princess at the time. Yeah. And like, she and had her priorities role. straight. She's like, yeah. I'm gonna stay a princess. <laughs> I'm gonna stay a princess. I'm not that good of an actor. Um, I'm not gonna try to <laughs> come back to Hollywood. Yeah. Um, now there was a, a different actress, uh, named Vera Miles, um, who was someone he had his eye on apparently at one point thinking about making her, his next blonde star in the movie Vertigo. Um, but then she went and did something he found unforgivable. She got pregnant. Mm. And I have this quote from oh Hitchcock. God. Um, O-tours so he is that. Oh yeah. <laughs> they hate directors when women get pregnant. hate it when women have babies with people other than that. They really do. Uh-huh. Um, The quote I have here from him about that at the time, I was offering her a big part, the chance to become a beautiful, sophisticated blonde, a real actress. We'd have spent a heap of dollars on it, and she had the bad taste to get pregnant. Oh, my God. I hate pregnant women because they then have children. Fuck you. It's a little bitter little shit. Oh, God. I want to have, like, ten babies to spite (laughs) every man that's like this. Have them 
well, I was going to say have him on his grave, but he he doesn't have a gravestone. But like <sighs> you could somehow find a spot where you could just have all the babies on top of a place he would hate. Like that would be like on a set. great fuck you to Hitchcock. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like on set. Yeah. <laughs> you just, just give labor. Go into labor on set. And people yeah. are like, what the fuck? I there didn't you even know you were like, pregnant. method acting, you piece of shit. <laughs> I thought you were just chubby. <laughs> Um, and by the way, I, so I, I'll be honest, I haven't seen Vertigo yet. That's one of those ones I keep meaning to watch at some point. I just haven't yet. Um, but one of the uh, sources that I read described Vertigo as the story of an obsessive older man who takes control of a much younger woman and shapes her into the ideal object of his desire. Some say that Vertigo is Hitchcock's most revealing and personal of all his films. Mm. So go ahead and just put a little a little pin yeah, in that, that, as we usually say yeah. in YouTube. More language. like Vertigroom. <laughs> Vertigroomer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> um, I do want to take a little bit of a pause here again to talk a bit about um, the way that Hitchcock uh wrote and had women in his movies because it is a very important aspect mm-hmm. of like this whole story um we've talked a little bit about how he had the quintessential blonde and there were other like you know brunettes and stuff mm-hmm. like that in his movies too but mostly blondes and um i have a couple of really i think revealing quotes that talk about him so in this 2010 guardian article uh, what's wrong with hitchcock's women uh Badisha, I hope I'm saying their name right, um, wrote, there's the vamp, the tramp, the snitch, the witch, the slink, the double crosser, and best of all, the demon mommy. Don't worry, they all get punished in the end. Which, yeah, if you've watched any of, even just a couple of Hitchcock's movies, a lot of the times the women do have pretty terrible things happen to them. Mm-hmm. Not not always. Some of them do survive. Like, arguably, Grace Kelly in Weir Window has a, a mostly good time in that movie. Yeah. Like, she's... But she's, she's doing okay, but kind of like not. I guess she gets more active in it. It's it's very funny. It's it's strange because they have mm-hmm. um, like I don't know. Like her character becomes more active, and like Jimmy Stewart's character is like at the beginning, he's like, "God, I can't believe I'm engaged to this beautiful woman, and I have to pay her attention." He. <laughs> it's very strange. It's interesting. But, um, Grace character Kelly's character in that movie is very much this beautiful socialite woman that Jimmy Stewart is just constantly being like, Oh, she's too beautiful. She's too perfect. She could never handle the life of being married to like a journalist who travels and gets dirty. <laughs> and then she's and like, let me break into this house. Arc- <laughs> yeah. And then the, her arc in the movie spoilers for rear window, by the way, but her arc in the movie is essentially, let me prove to you that I can be a cool guy too. Mm-hmm. And she does. And Look, so cool at the end girl. of the movie, the, the happy ending, I'm a cool girl. And that, that is a big part of the, the quote, the good women, the women that kind of prove themselves usually do have to like kind of be it's almost the archetype of the cool girl mm-hmm. that we have today. Like I, I I blame Hitchcock partially for the archetype of women who were kind of men, but like sexy men. Like it, it's, it's that kind of archetype a little bit. Yeah. Another quote I found from Roger Ebert from 1996 is the female characters in his films reflected the same qualities over and over again. They were blonde. They were icy and remote. They were imprisoned in costumes that subtly combined fashion with fetishism. They mesmerized the men who often had physical or psychological handicaps. Sooner or later, every Hitchcock woman was humiliated. It's like, it's such a funny like fine line as well because like part of the reason his like leads were so iconic is that like for the time they had, I guess, like more autonomy. Again, like 
Grace Kelly's character in Rear Window like became more active as the movie went on. Yep. And they were probably some of the best roles you could have as a woman at the time, but it was still like very much predicated on like their exploitation. It was. And and something else too that I thought was interesting is that Grace Kelly is also one of the few actresses where it seemed like she did give a little bit of feedback that he was able to respect. So like mm-hmm. there's one of her outfits, apparently she was like, I don't think I would wear this outfit for this one scene. And he was like, you know what? You're right. Um, so like he, he did seem to have a little bit of respect for Grace Kelly. And I guess she kind of had some feedback about her character for a window that he actually mm-hmm. did listen to. So originally she was just kind of there. She was just the pretty yeah. blonde that's there for the hero. And I think she did like, not to say that, she wrote the character, but she did help to kind of like flesh out that character into what she is now and how we think of her now. Maybe so like, he listened to I, her I, I, because she was a real socialite and the character was a socialite. Yeah. So maybe he was like, oh, I'll respect your opinion on this then because I'm a working class British guy and you're an actual American socialite. Yeah, c- quite possibly. Or the fact that according to reports that he was so attracted to mm-hmm. her, like maybe there was a little, he was like, maybe if I do this for you, no, no, no. Um, I don't know for certain yeah. about that, but like it's it's definitely interesting that there are some people who say that the only reason why Grace Kelly is like so iconic or whatever is that Hitchcock like basically made her into a star. And it's like, no, she was she she came into her own. Like I think she deserves credit yeah. for her acting and what she did. And clearly yeah. she helped make these characters so iconic. Like I love her character in Rear Window. I really Same. do. I think she's actually kind of great. And I love that she pushes back very strongly against Jimmy Stewart being like, well, you're a woman. You couldn't possibly come into the jungle. She's like, fuck you. Yeah, I could. There's fashion everywhere. I love her. Yeah. She's great. She has some great lines in that movie. She, um, Yeah. And I, like, I disagree yeah. with that too because her first major role was not a Hitchcock film. And I think she right. definitely would have had a career um, – into later in life like she wasn't the strongest actress in the world but like we also only got a few films out of her um to relate back to audrey hepburn neither was audrey hepburn until later in her career and yet she still had Mm -hmm. a very long career um grace kelly just quit because she was like my priorities are like i fell in love and i'm gonna go be a princess now and you gotta respect it (laughs) as is her right as is her right Um, okay, so moving on. Uh, not long after Vertigo was released in 1958, and while he was still in production on North by Northwest, which is was, is another one mm-hmm. I have seen, um, Alma, his his wife, was diagnosed with cancer. Um, mm. She went into surgery and she made a full recovery, luckily. Um, but it was still a very difficult time for them. Do you know um, what some kind people of have breast cancer? Mm-hmm. she had breast cancer um and there's some people who have speculated that this might have shaken his foundation a bit like the idea mm-hmm. of like oh almond might die yeah. one day and that might be why he acted the way he did after this um not certain but not an excuse not that that but maybe an explanation okay, yeah maybe the explanation yeah um and apparently even though he was still in production and he did have to work he visited her in the hospital every day which oh. is he was cute. a wife guy he was a wife guy. he was a wife guy he was a wife guy and can you blame um, him 19- for being in love oh. with Grace Kelly? Like, even if he is a wife guy, like I'm in love with all. Grace Kelly. Like, I would be like, if <laughs> I was gorgeous. Alma, I'd be like, that's your pass. If you can get in with Grace <laughs> Kelly, like, look, there's your all pass. Has crushes on a couple of blondes: Charlize Theron, Chris Hemsworth. Also like, I, I get it. Yeah. I get it. Uh, <laughs> I can't. Michelle Pfeiffer back in the day. Ugh. Charlize Theron would play Grace <sighs> Kelly so well. Oh my god. 
they're so do like, it. similar. Yeah, the cheekbones, mm. like the, che- the cheekbones, the fa- mm. Mm. and the ha- yes. Anyway, um, in 1960, of course, is when Psycho came out. Arguably, his his m- not only the most successful financially, but also probably the one that everyone thinks of when they think of Hitchcock is oh, is Psycho. It's um, it's resulted in so much transphobia, and it's such a good movie. <laughs> it has. So painful. It's, it's, I definitely do not want to downplay the transphobia of the movie. It is still a fantastic movie. It's just, it's got that big problem too. It's a good um, movie. But in terms of just like, like if you ever. I, he's I'm not, not trans today, though. He's not a trans character. He's schizophrenic. So it's actually ableist. It's not transphobic. <laughs> it's just resulted in transphobic. It's, um, it's both. Uh, <laughs> We don't have to choose. It can be both. Um, it can be both. And, and there's there's so much about the making of Psycho that's really interesting. I've read so much about it. Um, so if you're ever curious about reading like some of the the way they shot certain things or mm-hmm. whatever, definitely look into it. It's it's a it's really fat. There's so much interesting information about each of his movies he made that yeah. I cannot talk about because it would take me way too long. This would be a but series. It, he was a this very would be its own podcast. talented. It could be his own podcast. It, he was a very talented filmmaker, and there's a lot of innovative things that they did with the way that they filmed things or the special effects they they achieved or whatever. So, I it is genuinely very interesting to watch even now as like with our like modern looking back you know and anthony um, perkins so oh, i've got a made, crush on anthony perkins even though he's horrible anthony perkins and scary is, in that oh. he, he's very scary but he he does a good job i love him. um it, the movie made 30 million which is about 300 Ooh. million by today's money according to god damn that I was looked. an avengers <laughs> um right um one story that I heard about Psycho that I will share is that while shooting the infamous shower scene, uh, Janet Lee's performance uh, was not basically meeting his expectations. So apparently while getting frustrated, Hitchcock grabbed the prop knife and basically began aggressively fake stabbing at his actress, barely missing her body the whole time. Mm. Um, the anger and violent mimicry terrified her, understandably so, which did provide a, a fantastic performance, but also it did leave her with a lasting fear of showers. Oh my God. Jesus Christ. Uh, yep. Wait, didn't you um, say he didn't like methodology? There's so many boomers that I've spoken to. What's up? Didn't he say he didn't hmm? like respect method acting and then he was like tried to literally scare and her then, yeah, into, yeah, into a scare scene? Scare her into performance. Yeah. He's no, like, I like it when it's yeah. my method, which is stabbing young women in the shower. Well, <laughs> which he, is torturing again, women. Fuck. He saw actors as props and he wanted his prop to make the correct scary yeah. face. Mm-hmm. And she wasn't making the correct scary face. So he's going to make her make the correct scary face. Or scared face, not scary. Um, and I guess, yeah, in this instance, I guess it worked. But I, I kind of relating to my point earlier, like, there's no reason why method acting would create the right scary face. Because I got to be honest, like, my terrified face or my crying face, I don't think is as effective as, like, when yeah. I'm making it. <laughs> like, my, like, I, I've got, like, a really expressive face. So, like, when I'm actually upset, I look. Oh yeah, like I, I I look bonkers. Like, My I lips look, curl like, back. Overacting. Like, <laughs> like eyes like narrow yeah. down to a slit. <laughs> like, I ugly I'm cry. Like, I'm like ugly crying clown yeah. Voldemort. Whereas when I'm acting, I've got control. <laughs> right. <laughs> crying clown Voldemort. Oh. <laughs> 
<laughs> Not the sad clown Voldemort. <laughs> okay, so he decided to follow up Psycho by making an adaption of a short story called The Birds. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he ended up casting Tippy Hedren. And I'm going to send you a couple of pictures. Um, I think that yes. first picture is just a picture of her. She yes, was Tippy. fucking gorgeous back in the day. Tippy looks exactly Tippy. like um, Janet Lee. <laughs> Yeah, another blonde, very much so. Um, and I also have this picture. I don't know if this one will work. Hopefully it works. Yes. And then this is like a promo picture from the <laughs> yeah. birds, actually, um, that has Hitchcock. And, and these will all be available. <laughs> eating his on whole Instagram fucking chicken. Eating a bird. He's eating a whole eating his chicken. Whole chicken. He's, he's helping. He's eating the bird. Um, at the time, Tippy was a model. She was, oh, I thought I wrote it down. She was like 28, I think, at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and she, this, this was her first movie. He hired her after seeing her in an advert for a diet drink because she was, quote, a classic beauty comparing her to Grace Kelly. He told the executives at Universal, find the girl. Um, and uh, they did. So because this was her first movie and she was also uh, recently divorced, she had a, I think her daughter was four or five years old at the time, Melanie, Melanie Griffith, by Mm -hmm. the way. Um, So yeah, yeah. Um, this was her first movie. She had no acting experience. This, this is her, like her big break. Like this could make her some really big money. She really wanted to, and she's working with Alfred Hitchcock. The Alfred Hitchcock. The Alfred Hitchcock. So she comes in, she's young, she doesn't, I mean, she's not as young, but like she's younger, she's coming in acting and like, this is her first performance, she's going to make make him happy and do whatever it takes, right? That's the attitude that she is going in into this movie. But because of that, being a young new actress, being someone who so much is writing on this, she doesn't know what's acceptable, yeah. she doesn't know what her what the limits are supposed to be, and she is very easily taken, taken advantage of. And she's about to work with some black animals. And she's about to work with some black animals, which is is the first story we're going to talk about. So there's a pretty infamous scene in The Birds, for those of you who haven't seen it, but you probably know the scene I'm talking about, in which Tippy's character, it's it's kind of the climax of the movie, so spoiler for The Birds, um, is attacked by birds. Uh, Basically what happens, she goes into the attic, she opens the door, and a bunch of birds come and attack her because there's a hole in in the roof, right? Um, so at the time, Tippy was promised they would only be using mechanical aviations for the brief sequence. And they told her it wasn't going to take very long to film. It was going to be like maybe a couple of hours, right? So she arrives at the studio no. and they have cages, multiple cages of birds. This is why we have a union, BT dubs. This is why because unions like, are important. If you show up nowadays and that kind of thing happens, you immediately walk off set, you call your union rep, and they're like, we're getting you the yeah. hell out of Dodge today. Yep. Um, some of the birds were attached to her body. Um, and like other leashes or they had, I saw one source, bird said leashes. <laughs> <laughs> one source said chains, another source said rubber bands. I'm not sure no! what it was. Oh my God. Those poor birds. Either no. way. Those poor birds. Yep. And the were birds they like had just rested against her or like were the rubber bands cut so they could fly around her? I, d- I don't. I couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell you it exactly. Like, Again, I, either way, chain, it sounds like the birds needed bands. a union. Either way, the birds also <laughs> needed a union. Those poor little birds. And, yeah, and so like they're attached. Bag. So they're, they're they're partially attached to her clothes, and they're they're flying around. Obviously, they did have like bands around their beaks, but they can still peck. 
Like they could still peck at people. Oh my God. So, and basically what would happen is the crew members, these team ministers would take these loose birds that they also had and just throw them at her. So they are throwing starlings. (laughs) They're throwing seagulls and crows. They're just throwing at her. (laughs) Kaylin, this is horrible. What are you doing? It's not funny, but it is. Sorry, I just I kept getting a flash of angry birds. <laughs> literally, stupid fucking I mean, they are game. literally angry and birds. And I'm like, this is literally what they're doing. They're the loading these little shits into a slingshot. Basically, and just, oh my god! And they what didn't. The fuck? And this th- this filming, they, they didn't do it for a couple of hours. They did this for five days. Mm-mm. What five days? They just threw Mm-mm. birds at her. And had them attached to her, and she had to put up with this for hours every day to get what, hours. like a ten second shot, if that. The, I I I rewatched the birds yesterday. Mm-hmm. The sequence lasts for maybe like two minutes. It's a very short sequence, um, and there's all these angles where, like, it's far enough away where you can definitely see that <laughs> birds are literally being thrown at her. And then there are a couple of close up angles where it's clear it's not a real bird. So like, they could have probably used more of avians, and it would have been fine. But like. Anyway, um, they they pecked at her face. Obviously, they left her covered in scars. This is lawsuit bird, material. Yeah. Now, oh, for today, definitely would be lawsuit material. Um, one of the birds pecked dangerously close to her eye. Like I think I heard it was like her <gasps> her right eyelid. Um, and it seriously injured her. She almost got blinded by one of these birds. Um, as you can probably imagine, she was deeply traumatized by this experience and required five days of rest afterwards, as was prescribed and insisted on by her doctor, which the one good doctor in Hollywood at the time. Thank you very much. Um, when Hitchcock initially refused and protested this, the doctor said, what are you trying to do? Kill her? (laughs) And that got him to finally let her have a rest. Um, something else that's important too is that at the time her filming schedule was extremely rigorous uh, rigorous like she only had like one afternoon off on like Tuesdays or something and even that Hitchcock didn't really want to give her like she barely had any time off so like the fact that she got any days is like a big deal Um, Jesus something that Hitchcock said of the time later like in a later interview um, Hitchcock, when they asked him about this, I guess he said, I always believe in following the advice of the playwright, uh, Victorian Sardo. He said, torture the women. The trouble today is that we don't torture women enough. Oh, fuck off. And I'm sure that if anyone, um, is listening, who's a big Hitchcock fan, they would say like, oh, that's just his sense of humor. That's just the way he was. I don't fucking care. It's really fucked up. And considering what's coming next. Wasn't she? No. Wasn't she like emotionally scarred for like the rest of her life because of uh, this movie? movie and everything else he did to her? Yes, because unfortunately, there's a lot more. Like Tippy Hedren, who BT Dubs after this went and brought like a bunch of big cats into her house and got like literally mauled by lions and yes, tiger. She, she was like scarred by emotionally scarred by the birds. Yep, she had a real bad time with animals. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> yeah i mean to be fair the lions and tigers were her fault but <laughs> but those didn't scare her as much as like fucking alfred hitchcock yep did. um there was also an incident and i don't think she got injured by this one luckily but there was also an incident where there, there's another pretty infamous scene where she's um sitting in a, a hiding in a, a a phone booth phone booths are something that used to exist children um and (laughs) she's hiding in a phone booth while all this chaos is happening and again birds are being like thrown 
at the at the um, the phone booth. I, I don't know how many of them were real at this point because they were being thrown at glass. So maybe these were all fake. But one of yeah. the um, the thrown birds broke through this supposedly shatterproof glass, and she almost got injured from that. So like it, it was a very uh, rough Fuck building. Off. Now this is where things also get very dark. Hitchcock was incredibly creepy and obsessive towards Tippy, um, both on the birds and later on the next movie that they filmed together called Marnie. Uh, he told her how to dress and what to eat. He would buy her and her daughter gifts. Um, he both while filming the birds and the other movie Marnie Hitchcock would become furiously jealous. If she spoke to any men on set, he didn't want anyone to talk to her. Um, and also didn't want anyone else to touch her, but he was allowed to, to touch her. Obviously that was fine. Um, he had his assistants follow her home to make sure that she wasn't seeing any other men. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah, No, straight up stalking. He was a stalker. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately it's, it's just going to keep getting worse. Um, his behavior actually elevated during the filming of Marnie, um, which is another one of his movies I actually have not seen. Um, it's considered pretty mixed reviews, not great, but I haven't seen Marnie. I I haven't seen either. I kind of want to see it for Tippy, but I don't want to see it because of everything else. Um, yeah. During the filming of Marnie, he would try to get her drunk off of martinis, like making her drink martinis during between takes, um, and also made her drink a glass of champagne with him <laughs> at the end of every shoot. Why? Oh, he wanted her drunk so that he could take advantage of her. Like clearly, that's what he's trying to do. <laughs> but like, why? I get like tra- trying to take yeah. advantage of her, like when you're not working. But like, why would he want to get her drunk, like? During a work day. (laughs) You're going to get a bad shot then. You're going to have a drunk actor. You you dumb, horny Mm -hmm. fuck. Like, um, Marnie features, um, a a rape scene that was shot in this. I never, again, I haven't seen Marnie, but apparently the way it's shot, it's very close to her face while this very brutal, horrible rape is happening to her. Um, and it, and a lot of, there were some people on set who were very uncomfortable with this. And he was like, no, we're, this is, this is the way we have to film it. Um, and it, it really comes off like he was like getting off on it to a certain degree. Like he was really enjoying filming her like this. Um, he would purposely recite like really crude, like limericks to her when he walked past to make her purposely uncomfortable, um and he sometimes would also like completely isolate her because we mentioned like you know that um he she wasn't allowed to talk to men he would isolate her from the entire crew and even sometimes wouldn't let her own daughter visit her on set um he yeah his, his behavior is so creepy um he told tippy that he had dreams about her saying that she loved him like in her dreams uh which <laughs> she made a point to say to him okay but those are just dreams like she was very much pushing back against all of this. Um, sometimes he would ask her to touch him. Uh, sometimes, literally right before she was about to go, like, like how? Probably like sexually. How? Probably sexually. Um, I didn't Jesus elaborate, Christ. but I think it was meant to be like, you know, touch me in like inappropriate ways. And he would do it right before she was about to go on set too. So like there's crew around and she can't make a big deal about it because he's like whispering it into her ear and she's trying to be professional. Humiliating, humiliating her, her. Making her, yeah. her feel alienated in yeah. her workplace. Making her very like, uncomfortable on purpose. In order to dominate yeah. her. Like yeah. All about control. Obsessive creepy man controlling mm-hmm. a younger woman. Yep. Uh, he commissioned a replica mask of her face for himself, um, even though, as far as we can tell, no, there was no need for that for the film. The like, I don't think that's in the movie not. at all. He just wanted he it. He just wanted it. 
Um, he also placed her dressing room next to his office and was able to enter through a connecting door. Oh, so he okay. could just enter her dressing that room whenever he wanted. So inappropriate, so inappropriate and fucked up. Um, and, uh, and again, why we have a union. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, at one point when they were both in the back of a limousine, uh, he did lunge at her and tried to kiss her. And luckily she was able to <gasps> fight him off. Oh my god! Um, I think it was like a ra- like not that long after this happened. Like some of the timeline on this, I was a little unclear on. But like s- sometime after this, um, Hitchcock demanded. Like up until now, he had been kind of like quote unquote subtle, not subtle, obviously, but like he he wasn't outright saying like I need subtle you to fuck him. me. But like yeah, you know what yeah. I mean. He was doing that thing. So one day, he more explicitly made it clear that he expected her to become sexually available and accessible to him however and whenever Mm -hmm. and wherever he wanted. Uh, And she very bluntly rejected him and said, no, I am not going to do that, which good on her. And this turned into a huge screaming match. They had a huge fight about this. It was very nasty, apparently. Um, She told him during this that after Marnie was done, she was never going to work with him again. And he told her that if she did that, he would ruin her career. And this fucking queen of a woman said, do what you have to and left. And apparently she, when she left, she slammed the door so hard. She actually thought she had broken it and like turned to look and make sure it didn't break, which I kind of love that, that random detail. Yeah. I mean, that's why Melanie Griffith grew up to be like relatively well adjusted for like children of celebrities, like a bit of a queen. Yeah. Um, from that time on, he would not speak to her directly on set. Apparently they had, um, his assistants would send messages uh, for direction or whatever through her. This is really fucked up. Um, he sent her daughter, Melanie, a toy coffin with a doll made up to look like Tippy. Uh, apparently the outfit. I remember this. Um, oh. I remember she, this. The, the source I read said it was made up to look like her when she was in the attic in the birds. So like the green dress mm-hmm. with all the, the tears on it and everything. So this was this was after Marnie. I, I'm not sure if this was after or still during Marnie. Again, some of the timeline of this is a little confusing. I tried my best to find it. But, but I think this was after. Like Marnie time. Yeah, around Marnie time or like after Marnie. Yeah, around that time. So I knew that. Mm-hmm. I thought it was during the birds and I thought it was a, your mom has just started working for me kind of like weird, creepy gift that like absent of everything else could be construed as like weird and quirky, mm-hmm. like, like Tim Burtony. Right. Um, but if it's a, during Marnie, during the time where I was like actively pursuing your mom, like, and, and even then I knew it was like fucked up. Like that's one of the things that I know yeah. about Hitchcock that I was like, that's, incredibly fucked up and inappropriate but i thought it was like during the birds and i thought it was like him trying to be funny uh, and failing yeah i if it's during marnie it w- feels much more like a threat. i um maybe editing yeah. mandy can double check if i can find the time because again i did do most of the research for this yesterday so maybe there's something that says more <laughs> definitively about what the timeline on that because maybe it was during the birds and that makes it slightly maybe not as bad but eh. On it's, a scale of creepy to creepy, what are we talking right, about here? Exactly. <laughs> like, and, and Mandy, how creepy are we talking? Well, past Amanda, I guess that depends on your definition of creepy. So from what I can tell, uh, Hoots was correct in that it seems the doll was gifted to Melanie sometime during the filming of The Birds or around that time anyway. Melanie does say, though, that even as a child, she found this very creepy and disturbing. So... 
even if this was kind of before things really ramped up around the time of Marnie, still creepy, and Tippy was still being treated pretty horribly, so I still find it extremely creepy. But that's the kind of insight you get from the editing void, 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 void. <laughs> yeah. Are we talking about like guy making creepy joke that falls flat? Or are we talking about guy making active threat to six year olds? Right. Uh, Melanie was a uh, six at the uh, five at the time, apparently. Um, but still. okay. Five year old. Five year old. <laughs> Um, and, you know, true to Hitchcock's word, he did ruin Tippy's career um, because at the time she was under contract. And basically what he did was he she, she, she after she finished Marnie, she's like, I'll never work with you again. So he was like, OK, you won't work for anybody. It was very much a, if I can't have you, no one can because she was under contract. Now, on the plus side, she was paid this whole time. She was paid her weekly, whatever fee it was. But for the next like two years, she couldn't work in any movies. He would reject studio offers on her behalf. I hate this man. He's I hate fucking him. horrible. I hate and, him And so keep in much. mind, she's like at the height of her career right now. This is like, she's a hot commodity. Everyone's talking about her. People have seen the yeah. birds. Even Marnie. She's a household name. Even Marnie, which some people really didn't like the movie, they still said her performance in it was stunning. And this man effectively just like cuts off her career. And she did have a little bit of a career after this. Like she was in like, there's like a Charlie Chaplin movie I think she was in. Um, and she did do some TV later, but like her moment had kind of passed her by by that time because she wasn't, she yeah. wasn't in mm -hmm. the limelight for a while. And people, unfortunately they forget, they move on. So by the time she comes back, people are like, oh yeah, you, I kind of forgot about you. Um, and we give men too much power in this society. Yep. We should yeah. take it away. We really should. Um, and it just, it just really like, it, who knows the kind of career she could have had if if not for this this fucking troll of a human being fun fact and and probably emblematic of how fall how far she fell from grace for a while tippy hedron and i had the same manager really oh that's interesting yeah. <laughs> and i am a nobody who lives in a fucking studio apartment yeah and you're not i'm sorry that's not a mean i don't mean like that but like, I you know what you mean. No, I am a nobody. I am a nobody. <laughs> You're somebody to me, but I get what you mean. <laughs> it is emblematic of how far she fell from yeah. grace. Um, yeah, sorry. My response was like, oh! <laughs> <laughs> a nobody like you and Tippi Hedren. But it's so true. It's so true. Um, now. And then our manager got canceled for saying misogynistic things on email. Jesus. Uh, but that's a story for another oh, day. Oh, fun. Well. Is he dead? We can talk about him later. Um. <laughs> no, he's very much alive, and I've got hearing, complicated feelings about him. Hearing he's also that like he gay and funny. Her, um, hearing that he ruined her career. There's like a specific moment in every episode where I'm like, oh, I want to fucking kill this person. And I'm like, oh wait, they're dead. That's like the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then I get dead. this like this little like he's rush of like good <laughs> joy. That um, is the joy of our podcast. Yeah, it is. That is my all these terrible joy. people are dead. That's probably what makes it fun. But yeah, that that is <clears throat> this episode. That was my moment right there. It's yeah. even better when they die painfully. Well, here's like hoping. with Gandhi. Yep. Yeah, here's hoping. I don't know about Hitchcock's death, so here's hoping. Uh, it's not as nice we'll as it, it's not as satisfying as it could be, but anyway. <laughs> as nice. Uh, <laughs> nice. Um it looks so sicko. now now well um, <laughs> I am a sicko. Um now <laughs> sorry. Um, we are the sickos, Mr. We're all sickos. We're all sickos. We're the sicko we're the witches of sicko. <laughs> 
While she didn't speak publicly about the abuse um, until a Hitchcock biographer interviewed her in 1983, she did tell some of her colleagues privately about, about the abuse and what happened. Um, in her 2016 autobiography, Tippy said, I never feared speaking up because I knew I was right. My parents instilled in me a good sense of morals and a knowledge of what's important in life. Acquiescing to Feminist some- icon, Tippy Hedren. I fucking love her. Acquiescing. <laughs> Uh, acquiescing to some powerful man's sexual desires for a job is not going to happen to me. It's fucking queen. Tippy Hedren. Tippy, Tippy, if you're listening, we love you. Uh, Tippy's still alive, by the way. She's like 92. Yeah. You go, girl. Girl, Um, let me come by. We'll have some gin. We'll talk shit about Hitchcock. We'll piss on his grave together. Yeah. Um, So uh, I do want to, like – and Tippy is part of this story a little bit on a happier note. Um, she did end up devoting much of her time to animal rights afterwards. She founded an 80-acre wildlife habitat in California, uh, taking care of big cats. Um, as Hoots noted, she did. There was a movie that she and her husband and her family <laughs> tried to make called Roar. It's kind of unfortunately it was a shit show of a movie. They we have the to budget, watch it sometime. We should watch it sometime. I, I've screening. seen parts of it, and I watched a documentary about it forever ago. <laughs> Um, it's a movie that like the budget got really inflated. Everybody got injured, including <laughs> Tippy. Her daughter, Melanie had to get reconstructive surgery on her face. Like it, it was mm-hmm. a shit show. And unfortunately it only made like $2 million and it was like a $70 they million. Dollar. They all got mauled. And she was just kind of like, well, oh I tried God. And <laughs> you think that was kind of the last time. But she, Again, but she this continues. This is a woman <laughs> who was so brave. But she was like making out with lions. Like she was yeah. like <laughs> well, tonguing lions, and she was like, "My time with Hitchcock on the birds was terrifying." <laughs> What's less terrifying? A big cat with big teeth, multiple She's of like, them. Let me just like stick my tongue in its mouth. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, and she she continues to this day, and and all the animals that come to them, it's like usually it's like exotic pets that people have bought or they're rescued, things like that, and they come they to can't the shelter. Be into the wild. They can't be released into the wild, so they come to the sanctuary, and then that's where they live out the rest of their days. Um, also, kind of an interesting random fact I yeah. found out about her is that there was this period I, I couldn't I forget I didn't write down the year, which is dumb of me, but there was this period where she was helping Vietnamese refugees, and at one point oh. some of the women. Um, were like admiring her nails and so she brought her manicurist like to this like refuge this refugee camp or whatever it was um and those women learned the techniques from the manicurist and those women then went on to basically like found and make the entire vietnamese manicurist like industry that's in america what? now that's yeah. why there's so many vietnamese nail it, artists yeah. in the u.s yes and i want to make it very clear that these women deserve the credit they're the ones that learned the trade they're the ones that made the business but tippy helped them to like learn it initially like that learn the initial wild. skill which i think yeah. is really cool um so like yeah she's she's kind of <laughs> Again, she's kind That's of my, my my favorite. Um, and Icon. her her daughter Melanie Griffin, yeah. as I mentioned before, and her granddaughter Dakota Johnson all have gone on to have successful careers mm-hmm. and seem to be good people, from what I can tell. I've never really Dakota looked that much Johnson into either of them. Is- also an icon. I feel like I would get on with Dakota Johnson so well because she's yeah. also a bitch, um, <laughs> but like in a good way. Good like way. the way she talked back to Ellen, I was like, my soul <laughs> left my body. Was this the one about the? Was this the birthday thing? 
Yes, where Ellen was like, why didn't you invite me to your birthday? And she was like, I did, Ellen, on the Ellen show. That's amazing. So, That's amazing. Um, I, I know that this is like a little bit more well-known now um, because there was a scandal about a year ago. Um, but like the first thing you learn when you move to Los Angeles is like never go work for Ellen mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. never – if you're a woman, never be left alone with James Franco at a party. Yeah, <laughs> like that's the first thing any the first two things anybody tells you when you move to LA. So like the whole like um, Alan is an abusive, shitty person thing that blew up like a year ago has been a long time coming. Oh, yeah. and all of us when Dakota Johnson like spoke back to her because Dakota Johnson was like, I have nepotism privilege, so I can speak back to whoever I want. <laughs> yeah, you can. Um, <laughs> Everybody who lives in L.A. and, like, is, like, even adjacent to somebody who worked for The Ellen Show was, like, coming (laughs) because we were, like, yes, somebody is finally standing up to that bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Take her down, Dakota. That's that's pretty amazing. She's so mean. She's a monster. (laughs) And I I don't think Dakota Johnson is particularly nice either. But again, she's like a a bitch for the force of good. (laughs) She's like, my grandmother is tippy. Fuck you. You can't speak to me that way. Which is why we don't have guests on this podcast. But Dakota Johnson, if you're listening, you're always welcome to come onto this podcast. (laughs) Oh, 100%. And Tippy. Can you imagine like – Tippy just like talking mad shit about dead people oh, she used to know God. back in the day. She's like, oh yeah, Is that Tippy guy alive? sucked. She is still alive. She's like oh, 92. Yeah. I checked because I was like, I, and she's like 92 years oh, old. Oh, fuck, she's okay. Like, yeah, she's still going strong. Like, good, good for you, Still Tippy. young enough to talk shit. Heck yeah. <laughs> um, so, so we don't have much more to go at this point. There's there's not a lot to say after everything that happened with Tippy. Um, his, his final couple of decades of life were not particularly successful. Like, nothing did as well as Psycho. Uh, nothing did as like commercially well or critically well as like the birds and um, Marnie was kind of it, it definitely did worse than it w- they were hoping. Um, so there wasn't there was like a couple of movies he did after that. Um, like there was a movie he did and also his his health was starting to, to fail around this time. Um, one of the films he did in 1972 called Frenzy featured a very brutal um, rape slash murder scene that. Um, included this was also the the i think the first and only of hitchcock's movies that had like full on like had some actual like you saw nudity in it like psycho it's implied that she's naked because she's in the shower you don't yeah. really see much with this yeah. you saw full-on like naked people like probably from the back but still and they had to be the, the naked women had to be shot with uh, body doubles because the actresses refused to do it um and some people like got really upset by the way the uh, the rape murder scene was was shot as well from from what i heard um he was appointed knight commander of the most excellent order of the british empire in 1980 <laughs> that's like, the most ridiculous name for it sounds, ever sounds fake. howard it schultz made so it up fake. It like oh yeah so i was knight commander of the 13th of the most excellent of order <laughs> the most that excellent like order. fucking kkk shit yeah, i was like done. the grand wizard, wizard yeah. of the knights right. <laughs> like shut up you fucking nerd uh, i'm uh yeah. i am chancellor of the rhythm of the night <laughs> so like, <laughs> 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 like the, it sounds fake literally shut the fuck up bestie <laughs> um, uh, bad yeah. people don't get bullied hard enough I know. They don't. <sighs> why oh. uh, 
I just wish I had been a little more powerful as a teenager because I would have I would have turned that bullying back around and all the the exact right people who deserved it. Mm-hmm. If we ever invent a time machine, our podcast is going to turn into us like traveling through time, bullying the shit out of the people <laughs> in history. Just yeah. like fucking just like, going back oh, in time. Not killing like, them, just bullying them. Oh, you're horny for Tippy. Oh. <laughs> Maybe if you were cuter, you wouldn't have to be such a little fucking incel. Not you right. showing up on set trying to be that like fucking set medium. That's supposed to like control <laughs> control the I've talent. I've spoken to the spirits, and they told you to stop being a little bitch. <laughs> so oh, you're stop. eating a diet of one steak and one salad a day. You still look like shit, bestie. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, no, no. Yeah, when he was appointed, that by the way, the the most excellent order, blah 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 thing. Uh, he wasn't able to travel due to his health, so they like sent him a piece of paper something because he was eating know. one steak and one, he was eating one steak and just coffee all day yeah i wasn't doing so well <laughs> his organs were like help me help me <laughs> please for the love of god we would like some vegetables please his heart um, was like <laughs> and his liver was like oh my god please help our me. blood hurts <laughs> <laughs> Alfred Hitchcock passed away on April 29th, 1980, in his Bel Air home due to kidney failure. Um, I bet. (laughs) His funeral was held. (laughs) (laughs) His poor kidney, just like like chugging along like the engine that could. (laughs) Like everything's falling off of it, and the smoke stacks to the side. Just like like filled to the brim with stones. (laughs) Mostly stone. Probably. Uh, His funeral was held at Good Shepherd Catholic Church in Beverly Hills on april 30th after which his body was uh cremated his remains oh, were so scattered. i can go piss on his grave well you can piss in his grave because his remains were scattered over the pacific ocean on may 10th 1980 oh, okay. that means so many people I can have go pissed in, bathe his in his grave he so many people have pissed in his grave so many times <laughs> if you're near the pacific ocean, i have already pissed in, piss his in his grave oh i have i have for sure um i'll Wait, Pacific? No, I peed in the Atlantic. Never mind. <laughs> I forgot which well, ocean I was not, at. Not yeah. you turning I've around to your an oceans I've pissed in map that's on your wall. <laughs> I want that solution. The Ionic, the Mediterranean, the Atl- No, not the Pacific, but I have pissed in the Black Sea. <laughs> I want to get all of the uh, the Great Lakes at This some is point. your bucket um, list. This is my bucket I list. tried to Where do the I Dead pee? Sea, but it just like floated back up at my face. <laughs> oh, no. It's very buoyant. <laughs> uh, Alma, his wife, died two years later, and her her ashes were also scattered over the same ocean. Um, I want to end because I think she deserves the last word on a quote from Tippy. Um, basically, yes. there was a movie that came out, a biopic in 2012 called The Girl. Um, I think it's like an HBO movie. I, I haven't okay. seen it, but I want to watch it at some point. And the movie. It basically is the story about Tippy and Hitchcock's um, very fucked up relationship and the way he treated her. This movie got a ton of backlash when it came out. Some of Hitchcock's like former colleagues and 
former actresses who worked with him, like Kim Novak, for example, from Vertigo, um, basically came out and was like, well, I didn't see anything like this. He was fine to me. Um, oh, fuck yeah, he wasn't stalking you. He wasn't stalking you. Uh, there's a quote, I didn't write it down, but there was a quote that Tippy said when she was asked about this, where they were like, well, you know, so-and-so said that she wasn't harassed by him. And she, she had this great answer. I'm so mad I didn't write this down, but it was something along the lines of like, um, yeah, I'm sure the, the woman who wasn't a single divorced mother who was a first time actress didn't deal with that. Like she was just like, yeah, no shit. Um, Get her ass. And there's been some, I read some like really shitty stuff that was basically being like, well, you know, if you wish, if you listen to this interview, she said this happened here. But then if you listen to this interview, she said this happened and here. So basically a bunch of people who are going through and, and pulling a lot of like inconsistent, looking for off. inconsistencies and in stories and shit like that. It, it's really fucked up. Um, and one of the things that she actually got asked is that she actually did attend when he got the Lifetime Achievement Award. He ac She actually was in the audience that night and she also attended his funeral. So when asked specifically why she attended his funeral, like, well, you know, he sexually assaulted you. Why would you do that? She explained that he ruined my career, but he didn't ruin my life. That time of my life, that time of my life was over. I still admire the man for who he was. Also saying... I've been able to separate the two, the man who was the artist. I mean, what he gave to the motion picture industry can never be taken away from him. And I certainly would want to try. But on the other side, there is that dark side that was really awful. This went on very long. Um, but thank you both for listening. <laughs> but it was a good episode. It was a really thank good you, episode. Mandy. No, I'm glad. And I'm glad we had these like conversations because I knew this would be a good one, especially with you, Hoots, that mm -hmm. you would have a lot of feelings about too. So thank you both for listening. Uh, and thanks to our listeners. Yay. Thanks. Bye. Love you. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Respect the Dead. You can follow Respect the Dead on Instagram and Twitter at underscore Respect the Dead. If you want to follow us individually, you can find our socials in the show notes. And you should check out our YouTube channels. We don't shit on dead people there as often, but still, we're making tons of cool stuff. If you enjoyed Respect the Dead and would like to support us, there's a couple of ways to do that. You can give us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you found us. If you leave us a review, we can read it out on the podcast. Reviews are the best way for new listeners to discover the show. Give us at least five stars and then share us with a good friend who likes venting about dead people. You can also give us some money over on our Patreon. Patreon supporters get some cool bonus content like bloopers from the cutting room floor and even coming up with a fake sponsor ad that we'll read in an episode. It has to be a fake business though, not your MLM, honey. Thanks so much for listening. Join us every Monday for our next Worm Feast. I'm Kellen Conrad. I'm Ailey Mandy. And I'm Hoots. Bye. 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 Bye.